It is good to be with you today. That song, that song, every time that song starts to play, especially the beginning, that, that little, in my mind, haunting piano at the beginning, it takes me right back to March. It takes me back to some of our first days of quarantine church and video and everything else. And uh, boy, it's been, it's been quite a journey, quite a journey this past year. And, and we're going to spend some time talking about uh, some of the lessons we've learned from this year. I think that uh, we have had the words uh, unique, unprecedented, all these things thrown at this year again and again and again. And, and the part that I think is uh, beautiful about unique, unprecedented seasons is that God can teach us something in those times that we don't learn maybe in any other time normally. And so uh, what, as we got started today, I, I, I like the idea of pulling you back up here. I think one of my favorite things of this year was being able to teach together throughout that season. I really, I really enjoyed that. And I, I asked you to to reflect, I'm really asking all of us to reflect on um, what did God teach you this year? Where did God grow you this year? What, what learning came out of this season that you might not have gotten if it weren't for the unique blessing of COVID? And I, I guess I said that, the blessing of COVID. What, what did you learn? So what do you have, Bri? Well, for starters, uh, Nate got me some throwing knives. These okay. things are pretty cool, uh-huh. um, but it's one of his hobbies. He's got like a, a big board that he po- puts up against the tree, right? Chucks them. It's going to feel like, is it, maybe in some of the things that I say today, that I'm throwing one of these at you. I promise you that they're more of a boomerang coming right back at me. So if I say something that is a little sharp, uh, just know that I'm really doing self-reflection, not accusing anybody of anything. Yeah, okay. um, So that <laughs> said... Um, I think one of the things that I would not have learned had it not been for COVID, and I, I don't mean like learned um, in terms of just knowledge. I mean truly understood. Took it from here means, to here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, is the, the value of relationships. Mm. I, um, I, I have a lot of really close friends, both from high school, college. Obviously, I'm married families, both sides. I have a lot of really close relationships. Um, and I think before all of this COVID craziness started, I would try and do everything that I possibly could with all of my different people. Because I saw that as, you know, if, if I'm able to, to go do things and, and do, you know, use every last minute, then I'm, I'm exercising my relational skills well. Mm-hmm. And what COVID proved to me is not only do I need those relationships, and I love those relationships, but saying no to things and slowing down, being forced to say no to things showed me that, it showed me how much I value those people. Mm. It showed me how much I need those people, Mm. but it also showed me how, like, it's not just the doing, it's not the doing a specific activity. You know, it's not golfing with a friend. It's not whatever. It's actually being with that, that person. And um, so I think uh, without without COVID, um, my my all my relationships would have been starting to to see a, a drift because I just would have been exhausted mm-hmm. uh, from trying to keep up the rat race, and mm-hmm. instead it, it allowed me to focus and. Good. God teaches us things through opposites. You know, take something away and we learn. We learn what we miss or whatever. We we learn out of a vacuum. We learn what we need. 
And, um, and certainly one of the lessons of the year for all of us has had something to do with connectedness and relationship. And, you know, when we came back and got out on the lawn, I said it several times, for us, togetherness is not a convenience, it's a conviction. And, and, and one of the things I've learned uh, in, in this season, and I, and I mean this in a, in a positive way, not a negative aspersion at all, um, I think some of our political leaders and and, and people that are, in, that are in charge of life, when they look at the church, they, they say things like, you can get your message out, so what's the big deal? I mean, we're not stopping you from getting your message out. And they're, they're not getting, and, and, and a lot of times we don't get, that the church is not just a message. There are a lot of pastors who think the church is a message. No, the church is, the church is an organism. It's a, it's a body. It's a family and, and we do our, we, we get the message so that our relationships can grow things in us. We grow through relational connection, through the sandpaper that's there. So taking that thing away, in that void, we learned the value of togetherness. Very good. What's the next one? The next one is that toilet paper is worth its weight in gold. Amen. Hallelujah. An essential worker. <laughs> no, uh, kidding aside, uh, I think it took COVID for me to really settle in on the reality that Satan is alive and he's doing very well. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I've been taught that my whole life. I've read it. I have taught it myself. Uh, and I believe it. I, I truly do believe that, and I have always believed it. But I don't think it really set in until I was forced to stop and watch what was happening around me. Um, not just, and I, I'm not talking just politics. I'm not just talking, you know, how people are treating each other. I'm in every aspect of life. Satan has his claws just dug into this realm, and I think it, it again. It took this stop, this COVID stop, for me to truly realize that God has given over this realm to Satan. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and for for us, that shouldn't be a discouraging thing. Mm-hmm. It should not be something where we look and say, "Well, can't wait to get to the next step. I'm just going to bide my time here." Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no. Uh, I know some of you roll your eyes when I give all my sports analogies. I'm sorry. I'm going to give another because I love Illinois basketball. Uh, it's it's one of my just. I I'm addicted. Okay, I fully admit it. Again, knife coming back at me. I get it. Um, but Illinois is pretty good this year, finally. We have one of the best players in the country, and that's not Brian saying we have one of the best players. We, that's like nationally recognized with one of the top three players in the nation. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, we're playing Indiana, and we're losing with about 10 minutes to go in the game. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a close battle. And after the game, they won, by the way, uh, but after the game, the, this player, Ayo Dutsumu, was giving an interview, and the, the reporter asking him a question said, so what flipped? You know, you were kind of having a bummer game, and, and some, you know, just hit a second gear. And he said, well, Coach Underwood came over to me, and he grabbed me by the jersey, and he said, Ayo, you're the best player in the country. Go win the game. So with mm. 10 minutes to go in the game, that, that switch was flipped. And he went off. I mean... Drilling threes, getting rebounds, causing fouls, I mean, everything. He did everything just because he had that encouragement to say, you're the best, go get it. Go do what, we know, what I know you can do. 
And that's what God does with us, right? You know, we've gone through this whole series, be bold and courageous. Mm-hmm. God doesn't say, I've given over this realm to Satan, so cower in fear. Mm-hmm. Hide inside. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. talk about me. Mm-hmm. No, quite literally the opposite. Go. Go. Tell people about me. Don't worry about the consequences. There will be consequences, and don't, don't back down. Be mm-hmm. bold. Be courageous. Mm-hmm. I've given you my strength. I've given you my love. I've given you me. Now go. Go win the game. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, I love that because I, I do think that the reality of, of Satan's control of this domain, and God is redeeming all things, right? But Satan's control of this domain has been uh, powerfully seen in this season and the way, the way that, that Satan can use a, a disease, a virus. Uh, and, you know, I said, this, I said in this first service, and I'm really, I'm guarded in saying it because I think it, it could be so easily misunderstood, but I think it's important to say it. Um, masks are satanic, and all separating is satanic. And by that, I don't mean it's bad and you should never wear a mask or you should never be separated. But anything that causes distance between us is the opposite of what God wants for us. And so to see the fact that, that he has been very active in this season, and for us as believers, we're, we're supposed to act like believers. We're, we're supposed to act like people who are the best on the team. Let's go get in this battle, not let's wait and see what happens after the fact. So did you have another? Yeah. It's taken me 31 years and a COVID world shutdown for me to realize that it truly is not what you say, but it is what you do. Mm. There are a lot of people in every walk of life, on every level that you can think of, talking a big game. Hmm. Hmm. They're telling you what they think. They're telling you how how they think the world should be working. They're saying a lot. But then they don't do it. Politicians, you know, we live in the Windy City, right? <laughs> because our politicians say one thing, do another. It's just uh, this constant breeze. We have politicians throughout the season who said, don't go spend Thanksgiving with your family while they were on video Zoom from Mexico on vacation. Right. You know, we have so many people have been saying but not doing what they believe. And I think that kind of rallying off that last point. Yeah, God grabs us by the jersey and he says, wake up, go, mm-hmm. go be bold and mm-hmm. courageous, go do this, go win this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not enough to just say, all right, cool, I'm on God's team and I'm going to win this thing. No, you actually have to back it up. You have to do something. I've been here for, sheesh, almost a decade now mm-hmm. in the youth pastor role and I've had a lot of conversations with parents uh, about a lot of different things. Um, and several years ago, we had a program running where attendance was, was mandatory. And it wasn't mandatory because, you know, you're checking off, getting brownie points for heaven. Like, no. It, the program was designed for, for togetherness. And so we said, you know, if you miss more than two, um, two Sundays, then you're going to be out of the program, unless there's a special circumstance. You know, we're not totally harsh. But this, mm-hmm. this person had missed, this kid had missed, four straight Sundays, and coming, leading into the fifth Sunday, I called the parent, and I said, hey, just so you know, this is the third phone call I'm sending you. Um, if, if this kid's not here this Sunday, they're gone. Like, it's, you know, you signed an agreement. You understood the rules, how this is supposed to work. And I actually left a message. Uh, so his parent calls me back and says, this is not okay. We need to meet in person. So we met in person, and 
I got lectured for about 30 minutes on the value of being the church in the world. Okay, cool. Uh, yes, when sports are played on Sundays, are they still fun? Yeah. Are, they, are sports important? Sure. Value teamwork, all that goodness. But when you replace this teaching, this togetherness, when you replace God with another God, you will see ill effects arise from that. And this parent told me that, yes, going to church is obviously important, but my kid can be the church on this sports team. So all the kids that aren't going to church on Sunday, well, this kid, this eighth grade child, can be the church to their whole team. Okay, well, you're removed from the program. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and I straight, I laid it out for her. I said, I, I can't tell you what decisions to make, um, but ultimately, you're going to see, you're going to see some struggle from this. Mm-hmm. And here we are six, seven years later, and the marriage has dissolved. The kids are split in time between homes. There's no interest in God for, out of those kids because of that broken relationship. And it's, it's really, really hard to sit back and watch as someone said something that I knew they were not doing. Mm-hmm. Justifying actions mm-hmm. because of what we think we're capable of um, when really it's just, be, you know, we say those things because we've, our, our core of who we are and what we do have been exposed. Uh, it's, a, it's a great statement. I know you, you threw in the political comments, and I don't want it to be, I don't want that to get diminished this. I think for every one of us, we've had some moment throughout this that what we say has been challenged by, by our action. That, you know, there's something we believed about ourselves to be true, and then a circumstance came up, and we went, oh, I don't know, and we're like, wait a second, this is what I believe, and yet I'm acting the opposite, or thinking about acting the opposite of what I say I believe. So that pressure, that moment of pressure, again, unique season, that moment of pressure has brought about the reality of what's going on inside. So... Thanks. Those are, those are all really good. What I, what I would love from you, we're going to send out an email to you that gives you the chance to write your response of what God has brought you. I, I've taught you. I think uh, in a week like this, as, we, you know, as the odometer changes to 2021, reflection is important. And so I'd love to hear your reflections. And they're, they're literally just for me. I just want to hear where God's been growing you. We're not going to get up and read them next week or use them as a sermon illustration or something like that. I just want to hear where God's been growing you. What has God done in you uh, during, during this, uh, this challenging time? So have a few things going on in the life around here that we want you, to, want you to know about. The first is that last night I took my very last trip to our um, post office box at the Shanahan Post Office. I have done that since, since 2008. Saturday night, go check the mail, bring it on over, do whatever. And so uh, that's going away. All of our mail is now being received here on site. So what's important there? If you've been giving by mail and you've been filling out an envelope, uh, you need to fill it out with the right address now, not the post office box. So uh, we sent that in the email yesterday, and make sure you go ahead and get that changed, as well as if yours automatically comes from your financial institution, you'll want to make note of that change and, and, and get that in the works. So the second one has to do with what we've been doing on Sunday mornings. So we have been doing 8, 9, 10, and 11. It, it worked really well. 
uh, throughout the initial season of coming back. And, and what we're looking at doing in January is, is consolidating one service. So we're going to keep 8 o'clock going. It, it, is, it is the most lightly attended service, but it is the service that, that we use for the sake of those who, who are in the most vulnerable category. That one, a mask is required, and, and they're all together. Um, then what we'd like to do is move back to 9 and 10.30, move back to those two services. I don't think, I don't think we're wrong in this. You, you can let us know. I think that for the most part, people are not coming to 9 and 11 because they're looking for tremendous space. They're coming to 9 and 11 because, they are the, because that's when the kids' programs are offered and they're sending their kids to those services. Or you always came to 9 and 9 didn't change, and so uh, 9 has worked really well. So what we're having is, I mean, you see who's here now. 11 looks very similar. And then 10, there are literally 150 people. It's, it's crowded. I'm not kidding. And I think that what will happen is uh, 10 will dissipate between the two and we'll have it more evenly broken out. So what, what do we offer them for you if you are looking for space? The first is you've got 8 o'clock and you're free to come to that service. The second is, uh, you know, the video is always available, obviously. We have people joining us that way today. But if you're wanting, if you're wanting to main, maintain space and distance, uh, we'll give you the opportunity to go ahead and, and contact us, and we'll make sure that there is space reserved for you every week that's literally got your name on it so that you can, you can stay away from the greater mingle of the crowd. And uh, you, as always, you can come and go by way of that door over there. So you're free to do that, but we'll, we'll reserve again more of this space over here if people ask for it. And so um, we're aiming at January 10th uh, for that. I think one of my lessons from COVID was don't make plans more than a week out. So <laughs> I think we're still kind of there. But right now, that's what we're aiming for is January 10th. So, so that's, we're moving toward two services again, uh, 9 and 10.30, and then, of course, continuing with the 8. But, and, you know, we'll see how that works. We've been very flexible through all this. If we need to go back to 4 to, to make it work, we will. This isn't about 4 being too hard to do. I think a big piece of it is there are some who, who really do miss that time of, of seeing each other in between, and we want that available for you if you want it. So you don't have to. You can service is done. You can head on your way. But but we'll we'll see how that works. The third thing we're excited to announce that uh, our our plan is set for the last week of June. It actually bleeds into a little bit of July. That'll be our week of day camp. So uh, some of you you need to go ahead and get your vacation time set or whatever. Last week of June, and we're actually doing a five day camp this year. So. Um, very excited about that. That has led some people asking questions about what about Green Lake. If Green Lake is open, we will be going to Green Lake. There, there's the answer. So we just need to find out from Green Lake if, if they're going to be open. And we may stay a month. And we, <laughs> we, may, we may never leave. So <laughs> your, your last comment there about um, living, you know, living the conviction of, it, it's one thing to say something, it's another thing to do it. And um, I, think, I think that for me, when we come to those words from the book of Joshua that say, be bold and courageous, be strong and courageous, it's one thing to say those things and it's another to live into them. And I think for me, those, those words have been tested again and again and again throughout this season. So uh, we come to the end of the book, 
And uh, we're looking at chapters 23 and 24 today. We've commented about Joshua that Joshua in some ways is like, he's like a second Moses. Um, There are a lot of things that happened in the life of Moses that happen again in the life of Joshua. Moses parts the Red Sea, Joshua parts the Jordan River. You have these these things that are like reflective. And, And what we have at the end of the book is very similar to what happens at the end of uh, the, the life of Moses as well. He writes Deuteronomy. Remember, in Hebrew, Deutero is, is two or second, and, and Namos is law, so it's the second law, the second giving of the law. Law is given in Exodus. It's, it's reiterated once again in, in Deuteronomy. You come to the end of that book, and, and, jo- and Moses gives a speech, a sermon to the people, and he says, Today I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life that you may live. Make the choice. Choose life that you may live. And, and, and he makes clear that, you know, this, this whole idea of being part of the family of God, it doesn't just kind of happen to you. Courage doesn't just kind of happen to you. Virtues don't just kind of happen to you. It's about the choices we make. Everything is about our choices. For a lot of us, we sit back, even in a season like we've been in, we sit back as victims and life is happening to me. What am I supposed to do? Life doesn't just happen to us. We have choices that we're to make. Well, ironically, this, this man who, who reflects Moses comes back and as he gives his final two sermons or speeches, he gives one to the leaders of Israel in, in chapter 23 and then to all the people in chapter 24. And, and he lays out that, that word once again, that word choose. It, it's, a, it's a verse, probably the first or second most common verse in Joshua. You can debate whether uh, be strong and courageous is the first or this one. But I, I suspect this one's on a lot of dining room walls of Christian families. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got a choice to make. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that is the abbreviated version. That's the plaque version. If you actually look at the verse, here's what he says. He says, if you think it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, if you think it is a bad idea to serve the Lord, then at least serve something. He says, maybe you'll choose to serve the gods of of your fathers over in Egypt, or, or maybe you'll choose to serve the gods of the Amorites. He says, Go ahead, choose, pick what, you, pick what you're going to serve. But then he says this, but as for me and my house, we've made our choice. We've made our choice, and we're not going to waver from that choice. We will serve the Lord. Both Moses and Joshua keep coming back with the same message. Folks, it's a choice. It's a choice. Christianity doesn't just happen to you. A, a, a godly life doesn't just happen to you. Holiness doesn't just happen to you. It's about daily choices. And, and part of what I love about the verb that he uses here and the way that he uses it, he's not saying you have to come to a point in your life that you make a choice and then you live on that choice. He says, guess what? I make that choice again and again and again and again. Every day I continue making that choice. If you've arrived at my age... You might think that, um, that having to choose to follow God is, you know, by this point, come on, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. And then comes along COVID, right? Comes along a circumstance where, where the things I thought I believed, the things I thought composed my character are tested. And I have to choose again and again and again whether or not I will serve the Lord. And so 
Joshua lays it out to the people. He says, this isn't an automatic. Just because we've left Egypt and come to the promised land doesn't mean we're going to love for God forever. We have to make these continual choices. Not just as individuals, but every generation then has to make this choice for themselves as well. So in the sermon that, that was previous in chapter 23, uh, Joshua lays out a number of choices that people have to make. I give the whole passage, but the underlying part is the part I want you to focus on. And Brian, if you'd read the underlines. You've seen all that the Lord your God has done to these nations for all your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Seeing God in all things is a choice. You've got to choose. You've got to choose to live life as if God is, because he is, and then you've got to look for him. And if you're, not, if you're not choosing to look for the activity of God in all things, more often than not, you will miss it. And so daily you wake and have that choice on your heart. I will choose today to see God in this. I will choose today to see God in my life. The next one. Be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. This is a constant choice. This book, you know, there are people, even Christians, who look at this book and say, 2,000 years old, 4,000 years old, different parts of it. Uh, it's just really not relevant to today. We'll, we'll skim out the parts we like. We'll apply what we can. But there's a lot of stuff here that just has nothing to do with us. And, 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 what, and what Joshua says is, you don't turn from it to the right or to the left. If, if the book says it, we believe it and we follow it, no matter what anybody else may be doing. It is a constant choice to live out what's written in the book of the law, what's written in the Bible. We have to make that, that constant choice. And, and God will allow different circumstances to come into our life that we might think we, might think we know what our choice is going to be. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're being put in that spot again of, do I actually believe the Bible? Am I going to live the Bible? Or am I going to live the way I feel? What am I going to do? How about this one? That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. Joshua recognizes that when we're out in the world, it's easy to become part of the world. When we're out in the world, it is easy for the world to get in us. Now, the Bible is clear. We're supposed to be in the world. Well, how can we reach lost people for Christ if we're not in the world? But we have to be conscious all the time. Daily choice. I may be in the world, but I'm not letting the world get into me. I may be in the world, but I'm the one bringing the right message to the world. The world's message is wrong. The world's message is more messed up, I can't even say by the day anymore, by the minute. It is like Satan put his foot on the gas pedal, and man, we are, boom, it's just going that fast. And it's easy to look at the message of the world and cower and say, well, I don't know, I don't know if I should, and We have got to be careful that the message of the world is not getting into us. We're the ones bringing the message of Christ to the world. So conscious of not allowing the world to get into us. How about this one? You shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. I love that term, cling to the Lord your God. 
Hold tightly. Do not let go. Don't let go. And, and it's interesting because in, in, the next, in the next part of the passage, he talks about the fact that, that we, we can allow the world to cling to us. If you turn back and, and cling to the remnant of the nation. So, so there's a choice going on. What am I going to cling to? Am I going to cling to God or am I going to cling to the world? How about that first line? Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. That's a choice. Carefully love God. Take great care to love God continually. Choose to love God. How about this one? Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. It's a choice. It's a constant choice. And, and it's amazing that these people, after all they've seen that God has done, would still find themselves saying, huh, that tribe over there worships that stone. Maybe that's God. Isn't it amazing how we can go through a season in our lives that God's fingerprints have been all over something, and we, we move a little bit away from that, and, and we go, huh, maybe there's something better out there that'll bring me satisfaction. Maybe there's, maybe there's a better answer out there. How quickly we turn away from the God that has brought us to this place. It's, it's constant. It's a constant thing that is happening. So, so here's Joshua saying to the people that exist at the moment, you got to make a choice. Are you going to serve the gods of Egypt? Or are you going to serve the gods of this land? Or are you going to serve the Lord? But he's not just saying it to the people he's present with in the moment, he's saying it to the generation that's coming as well. He's saying to all, this is a constant choice. And again, not a one and done choice, a daily choice. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. So you come to the end of the book, and there are four paragraphs that are, that are, that are just kind of put a big old period on the book. The first is uh, the mention of the death of Joshua. We remember that when Moses died, he dies on Mount Nebo, and it says God buried him. In this case, the people buried him. He's 110 years old. He's actually had a couple decades of enjoying peace and rest from the enemy in the land. He's, seen, he's gone from a kid who's a slave in Egypt to see the fruit of all that God can do in a person's life. And so he dies in old age and, and a very happy man. Verse 31, go ahead and read 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. So this verse for me is a little haunting. You know, it's a little haunting because I suspect for Joshua, he looked around and said, I love what's happening now. I wonder what's going to happen after I'm gone. And, you know, I'm not here today to give my Moses or Joshua swan song, but I wonder that sometimes. I wonder, here we are today, but what's going to happen 10, 20, 30, 50 years after this generation is gone. Where, where do things go then? We see in verse 32 that they finally bury the bones of Joseph. Now, why is that significant? You remember that Joseph was the one that took the family to Egypt in the first place. Actually, I should say invited the family to Egypt in the first place. He dies in Egypt and he says to his family, please don't leave me buried down here. Take my bones back home. And so we come to the end of the book of Joshua, and it makes the point 
They took his bones and buried him with his fathers. And and it's a way of kind of putting a period on, on the season of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And now, now we've come to the end of this season, this season where they went from, from the land of Israel down to Egypt, back to promised land. And from here, life is going to happen with the rest of the nation. And then, and then it ends by telling us that Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him as well. And, and that's the end of the book. And it's a way of saying a generation passed. So I, I look at this part of the book and as we wrap it up, I, I find myself just feeling a real, a real heaviness to say, every one of us, we have to make the choice to serve God every day. We've got to make the choice to serve God every day. But for those of you that are you know, maybe 30 and, 30, and, 30 and under, you may have, by this point in your li- at this point in your life, still been riding on the spirituality of the people that go before you. You've been, you've been, kinda, you've been going along with their program. And there's going to come a point here that you have got to make the choice. You've got to make the choice. Am I just doing this because mom and dad do? Am I just doing this because someone else said it's the right thing to do? Or am I choosing to live for the Lord my God? You know, the next, the next chapter or the next book after Joshua is the book of Judges. And you come to the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10, and what does it say? After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And they fall away from God. They just fall away from God. Every one of us have to make the choice to continue. And I, you know, I look at the world in which we live, and it's, it's going to become more and more and more difficult more and more and more difficult to choose to live for the Lord. But I'm telling you, it is the right choice. There is no better choice. And so that brings us then to the end of the walk with this guy. Again, I want to encourage you to go ahead and uh, when that email gets to you, just write the lessons, the lessons that you've learned from this season We've always got to be reflecting on those lessons because that's, that's, where, that's where God is teaching us. So um, go ahead and take that. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. So tied in with all of that. Um, over the summer when we lost Green Lake and we lost day camp, uh, we did the Southfield Student Summer Serve Sleepover. There was not a lot of sleep. There was a lot of serving, but not a lot of sleep at the Southfield Student Summer Serve Sleepover. Um, I've gotten better and better at saying that. Um, but there was a, a lesson, and I spent the afternoon talking to the kids about, about the choice, about the choice to be in the world, but not of the world, to follow God, to live for God, and I gave them the example of one time that I was a complete dolt. Uh, Riley sent me with a grocery list, and for once, I walked in to our apartment in Tinley Park at the time, and kind of puffed my chest out. I was like, I got everything that was on the list. I did not buy one thing that wasn't on the list. I wasn't hungry when I went to the grocery store. I purposely just bought everything specifically that was on the list. And I was like, ha look at me. Well, then she went to go make dinner. And she said, Brian, you did forget one thing. Where's the lettuce? I was like, lettuce? I bought, I bought lettuce. I know. I grabbed the head of lettuce. And she pulled out the thing from the fridge, and she said, you mean this cabbage that you bought? I was like, oh, man. 
That's very hard lettuce. It's very, very hard <laughs> lettuce. It is, it is different. But as I was walking, them, walking our kids through this choice, I said, picture, picture your life that way. If we are called to be different, and yet we are trying to blend in with our culture, it's very easy for people to look at a Christian or look at somebody who is living wildly apart from God. If we're, if we're not truly living that choice daily, they can look at our two lives and say, yeah, cabbage, lettuce, they're a little different. Instead, we need to be the cilantro. The cilantro yeah. that is unmistakable. Don't get me into parsley, okay? I know it looks similar. But we need to be the cilantro. You can replace, it wouldn't be very good, but you can replace cabbage for lettuce. You, know, you can do your wrap in cabbage. Wouldn't suggest it, it's gross. Uh, but you, could, you can make cabbage a replacement for lettuce. You try and use cilantro as a replacement. There was one time, I, the, the time that I learned what cilantro was, was at your house when I decided uh, there's no more lettuce. I'll just throw cilantro all over these tacos like it's lettuce. And my tacos tasted like soap. It's unmistakable. It's unmistakable. Cilantro is completely different than lettuce or cabbage. We need to be the cilantro. And Julie, I, need to get, I just wanted to give a quick shout. Uh, Julie Conroy, one of our students, went home like, from that Southfield student summer service sleepover, and she made these Be the Cilantro stickers. And I've got one on my laptop. I've got one on my desk at the school. Just as that constant reminder that it is, it's time for us to be bold and courageous. And bold and courageous does not mean spewing your ideas. It means mm. living out God's. Mm. That's beautiful. And you know, that theme of being bold and courageous, we've talked about it repeatedly. It's not be bold and courageous because you're tougher than everybody else. It's not be bold and courageous because the enemy is weak. It's be bold and courageous because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And his withness is known uh, by us through communion. So Shelly's going to be singing a song this morning that I, I think, again, it's, it's a song that we, we had the kids sing at camp, fun, uh, full of energy, and then uh, Shelly just slow rolled it for, for a season that we were going through of, of pain and heartache with a family. And, and as I listened to it again a couple times this weekend as she's been singing, uh, the words just totally pop out because I think for a lot of us, this has been a season of loneliness. It's been a, it's been a hard, separated season. And yet to know that in the loneliness, we are not alone. We are not alone. And here's the proof that you are not alone. The bread and blood that symbolize the presence of Jesus with you always. So take communion as she's singing this morning.
I asked her to do that song again today because it, it felt so much like this year. The music feels, I don't know, mournful and heavy and kind of, what do I do with it, right? And then the message is full of hope, full of hope. Where are you going to choose to put your eyes? You're going to put your eyes on the circumstances or you're going to put your eyes on the truth of Jesus? It's been a while now. I was, I was at Jewel, came out of the store, and um, got in my car, and I noticed that a couple of the kids who were collecting carts didn't have their mask on. And, um, and I looked at them, and they were, they were smiling and laughing. I mean, just hard laughing. It was, you know, throw back the head kind of laughing. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching them, and, and all of a sudden I realized there's this smile that had spread across my face. And, and, and I'm looking at him, I go, I miss seeing people smile. I just miss it. I miss seeing this part of your face. I miss, I miss knowing what's going on in, in your heart. I miss that. And I didn't realize how much I missed it. I mean, I missed it enough that this is what happened. I just got really emotional looking at it and um, felt empty, you know. And then I had this moment that I realized that smile is with me all the time. It's with me all the time. In that moment, I chose to see God in all things. God was in that smile. God's always smiling at you. Always. There isn't a moment that he isn't looking down and going, that's, that's my kid. That's my, I love my kid. That's my kid. That smile is with you always. And so as you go into this new year and make those choices to serve the Lord and you have those moments that, that the message and the music don't seem to quite mix, would you please focus on the message? You are not alone. You're never alone. You can be strong and courageous because you are never alone. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I wore the boots today. 
not in honor of Texas, but to give 2020 a good old kick out the door. Boom, you're gone. We're done with you. 2021, we'll see you next week and celebrate a new year and everything will be perfect and magical and wonderful. All will be well. So you enjoy your day and your new year.